What's going on, beautiful people? This is Jeffrey Talks. Um, I am back on the attack and ready to talk a little bit more about my truth. And I want to basically just get straight into it. I believe we left off uh, with me going to rehab. So I will take it from there. Um, here we go. So going to rehab uh, to recap a little bit from took LAX airport to Baltimore. Met a guy named Brett. He got me in the car and we drove an hour and a half to Wrightsville, Pennsylvania and ended up going to, in my opinion, one of the most amazing uh, treatment centers I've ever, ever been to. And, um, and I actually even had the pleasure of working there later. That's why I said I've ever been to, because I, this was just a one time, uh, for me. And I, uh, am really, really grateful for that. But I was privileged to be able to work there um, about a year after, and I was able to work at quite a few other different establishments. Um, even when I came back to California, I worked at three different places. So, scariest thing that I've ever done, ever had to go through, hardest thing I've ever had to go through, um, at least right now. <laughs> So I went, gosh, to rehab. I remember going to multiple meetings a day uh, and groups. And I remember meeting um, multiple people that were in the same situation that I was, whether it was, you know, like drinking problems, um, hard drugs, heroin, meth, cocaine, all of it. Um, uh, mental health, uh, trauma, uh, just multiple different people that you meet along the way when, when you go to a place like that. And that was definitely like a, um, kind of like the switch that turned on that was like, wow, there are deep, deep struggles going on in, in some people's heads that kind of turns it into a very, for me anyways, like self-sabotaging and masochistic, uh, almost at times. So I remember my second therapy session, I, I said some things that I've been holding on to for about 20 years. And I remember being petrified to say anything at all. But then I remember this amazing feeling of relief and I can't really explain well no I can definitely explain the feeling I, yeah peace serenity uh, joy something that I've been looking for just to be free of this baggage that I've been hanging on to for for almost 20 years and I it was amazing I uh, gosh ever since that moment so 
in the last episode, I talked about like basically being told that I had an ego, so discovering my ego. And, and then after that therapy session, being able to be free from just this baggage and weight that I've been carrying for so long, there were so many amazing parts to like my recovery that I definitely enjoyed um, thoroughly and gave me almost that drive to want to continue to work on myself and to see what else could happen, to see if I can maybe be happy, sober, and and maybe not even just happy, but thrive and be, be a better man that I have ever imagined or ever could be. Um, so yeah oh my gosh it was just, it was amazing so um i remember that happening i remember i stayed there 22 days i remember being really scared to leave i remember i remember being petrified of of drinking of alcohol and like this like not like a sick fear but like this respect fear that if i drink I have no idea what's going to happen. And I didn't want to drink. So ended up getting out and did an IOP program. Uh, that was okay. It wasn't the greatest thing in the world, to be completely honest. But it kind of helped me ease back into society. So ended up doing an IOP program with the, uh, the treatment center that I went to. And... Yeah, it was cool because three days out of the week, you kind of drive over there. They pick you up, drive over there, and then um, they uh, kind of check in. You kind of check in, let everybody know where you're at, what you're doing. Um, Alcoholics Anonymous was a pretty big thing. And, you know, basically what step are you on? If you're on a step, do you have step? If you're on a step, do you have a sponsor? Um, are you looking for a sponsor? And really just kind of creating that accountability. So I did it for a month. Uh, It took me about three weeks to find a sponsor. That was hard. That was weird. Going up to a a strange stranger, uh, a strange man that you've never met before, and basically asking him for help. That That was, talk about an ego. Oh my God, that was a real ego kick to the balls. So I think I asked I asked two guys and then I had to ask for help to find a sponsor. Jeez. So I asked this one guy the very first meeting that I went to, the day I got out of treatment. And he said he'd be willing to sponsor me, but to keep looking because he lived a little far away and uh from me at the time. And so I kept looking and uh found this other guy and long story short he ended up never calling me back and not texting me back to this day i don't really know what happened i hope you're okay and um and then i had to reach out to the owner of the sober living home that i was i was living in and i was like dude i need help i need help i'm going crazy i feel stagnant i feel neutral I'm here for a reason if I'm not working on the steps or doing something for myself that has to do with like spiritual growth. I don't know why the hell I'm here. I'm going nuts. Please help me. 
and that was after leaving a meeting and we're in his car and he's like, oh, well, I think I know a guy. Yeah, yeah, I think you guys would uh, get along pretty well. I'm like, okay, cool, you know, can I get his number? He's like, yeah, absolutely. Now? Like, can I get his number now? So he sent me over the number and uh, texted to me right away. And yeah, then I, I basically called him right there in the car. Um, I said his name was Nick. And I just asked this strange man, stranger man, through the phone, through the Telemundo, and said, I need help. I don't know how to live. You know, are you taking on any sponsees right now? And he said, yeah, I'm taking on sponsees. You know, I'd be honored to sponsor you. And and then that was that. So I started calling him every single day, not because he asked me to, but because kind of I wanted to. Um, I remember calling him multiple times. Like, I'd be crying I'd be frustrated, I'd be angry, confused, sad, tired, questioning, like just basically why am I doing this? Is it really all going to be worth it? Um, living in the sober living house, oh my gosh, like with six, 14 to 16 other dudes, um, we're all in there for the same reason, basically, you know, trying to change our lives, and um, I can't even I it was one of those experiences where you definitely had to be there um it was again like a very rude awakening for me and seeing like people overdose on heroin and and uh almost dying and then people getting kicked out because they relapsed and then hearing out later that they finding out later that they died you know I have a few people in rehab that I found out later that they died one of them I was really close with and it just, it breaks your heart. And it kind of, like, I had to learn, thank God for my sponsor putting me in in God's hands as it talks about in the big book about Alcoholics Anonymous and really just guiding me, leading me to God and to develop a relationship with a God of my understanding, with a higher power, with, uh, you know, the universe, with a bigger energy other than myself, however you can receive it, basically something bigger than myself. I wasn't relying on myself anymore. I was talking, listening, praying for lack thereof a better word, you know, but I like just conversing and listening. Uh, meditation was for listening and praying was for talking. And, um, I fell in love with meditation. Meditation was definitely a very, very big part of my the beginning of my sobriety um, and is still now a part of my sobriety. And I don't see that changing anytime soon, um, if at all. If at all. Really, if at all. So um, I got my sponsor. I started working the steps with Nick and then... You know, I, I stopped IOP because I was like, I'm good. You know, I'm not really benefiting or gaining much from this anymore. I'm going to I'm gonna do the steps. I got a sponsor. You know, I have another person that's going to be holding me accountable. And and uh, we're going to go from there. So probably the most significant story that I could tell you guys that has to do with my 
um, and I'll, I'll keep it simple when it comes to like me going through the steps. I don't want to get too in-depth. Um, I've done all 12, but having said that, I don't want to get too in-depth because it was my experience. And uh, maybe in the future, I'll get a little bit more in-depth. But as of right now, I'm definitely just trying to use these first couple episodes as an introduction um, from myself to putting myself out there to the world and to anyone and everyone that wants to listen and could possibly benefit um, from hearing pieces of my story. So my sponsor came and picked me up. It was 4th of July and he took me to a meeting. We were going to go get coffee at somewhere fancy, but you know, it was 4th of July. Everywhere was closed. So we ended up going to Turkey Hill and Turkey Hill for those of you that are from Orange County, is basically like, like a Seven Eleven uh, out out here in Orange County, and and out there, Turkey Hill is like the Seven Eleven of you know AMPMs and and Chevron Supermarket and and all that. So it's basically you know gas station coffee, which is pretty good. I ended up liking it quite a lot. You know, it was super cold. It was it was pretty nice. A hazelnut. Oh my gosh. Super good. So <laughs> we go and get some hazelnut Turkey Hill coffee. And um, then he ends up taking me to, to a meeting. We go to the meeting. He introduces me to some people. And uh, we leave the meeting. And basically on the way home, he kind of tells me, like, Jeff, if you, if you didn't know, we were kind of just talking about steps one, one and two. And uh, steps one is, um, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, give me a second. If I have to pause this thing and, and look and go grab my book, I'm going to be very upset and displeased with myself. Um, basically, step one is that I'm powerless. I'm powerless over alcohol and that my life had become unmanageable. And I remember him saying that and I remember questioning that so much because I'm like but but Nick like yeah yes 100% I'm powerless over alcohol um but came to believe that like came to believe I'm gonna go I'm going in a second step but that my life had become unmanageable like that second part of the first step is really difficult for me to kind of accept because I still had a job like I wasn't homeless you know and it was really hard for me to accept it but he's like he questioned my question with then basically why are you in the situation that you're in you know why did you have to leave all of that and were you really that happy you know you couldn't stop drinking but you wanted to stop drinking and yeah, you hung on to your job and everything, but you moved in and out of like your mom's house, your dad's house, your own place with roommates and blah, blah, blah. And you were obviously very, very unhappy. So your life was pretty unmanageable, especially the fact that you just had to get on a plane and fly 3,000 miles away to go to rehab. And now you're in a sober house. You don't really have any money. And you're sitting with me in a parking lot across the street from your sober house at night <laughs> on like a Friday night or something like that, you know? And I was like, okay, touche, touche, my friend. So 
that was step one. And then step two came to believe that a power greater than ourself or myself could restore me to sanity. Um, I like Russell Brand's version as well. He basically says, you know, could something bigger than myself make me not a, you know, freaking lunatic? And uh, I like that version too. So, yes, my answer was absolutely 100% yes. Like, I definitely believe in um, something bigger out there. You know, again, born and raised in a Christian home, went to private Christian school. And, um, but that's kind of why I resented, like, God, because of my past experiences and seeing people and how, you know, hypocritical they could be and blah, blah, blah. But then again, like, I blamed them for my happiness. I gave them my power. So instead of giving somebody else, you know, my power or relying on myself and my own willpower, why not give it to a higher power? Something something greater than myself, like gravity. Um, and I was like, yeah, yes, that was a pretty easy one for me too. And then step three, he's like, all right, well, you're going to take the book, you're going to read this third step prayer, and then um, we're going to hold hands and get on our knees on the asphalt, and you're going to recite this prayer, and I'm going to recite it with you. I go, okay. And I read the prayer, and it was probably one of the most beautiful, like, experiences that I've had just with like talk about being able to lay down my burden and this weight that I have been carrying for so long and you know what more than that guys I, it gave me hope it 100% gave me hope so if you guys don't mind I'm going to read it real quick God I offer myself to thee to build with me to do with me as thou wilt Relieve me of the bondage of self, that I may better do thy will. Take away my difficulties, that victory over them may bear witness to those I would help of thy power, thy love, and thy way of life. May I do my thy will always. Boom. So that, that was it. And I rose, I stood up, and I felt tingly, I felt happy. I, I felt the presence of something bigger than myself for sure. And I remember telling Nick, I was like, dude, that was powerful. Bro, that was powerful. Like, I feel good, you know? And then he got me to outline my fourth step. And we can get into that later. But I think for me also, then going walking back into the, the sober house, guys, like being able to live in that type of environment for for almost two years it showed me so much and basically I was able to take everything that I was learning in sobriety and trying to be a spiritual man I was able to apply almost immediately right where I was living um with with the other men that I was living with um, with being of service, it was so easy to be of service in that type of situation and really just give, give back what has been so freely and is still being so freely given to me. And that's really also why I'm creating this podcast, because if I could reach more people 
you know, and, uh, and tell my story. And if others can benefit from my story, oh my, oh my gosh, that's just, that's just one of the most beautiful things in the world to me, at least in my opinion. And, uh, so I think, I think I'm going to wrap it up right there, guys. We're going to do another one. I'm going to do another one tomorrow. And uh, we're just going to keep these episodes flowing for you. And uh, we, sorry, I'm thinking. I realized last, the last, the very first uh, episode that I did, episode one, I say, um, a crap load. Oh, oh my gosh. So I had to edit out a bunch and, and I'm hoping that there's going to be less ums. Uh, <laughs> look at me again. So it's obviously me just pausing to think. So <laughs> I figured I'd be totally transparent with you guys. I thought it was really funny. Maybe you guys get a giggle out of it, but uh, I will. Wow. I was I tried to save it. It's almost inevitable. I feel like I can't stop it. it just flows out with the um. So I wish you guys a beautiful rest of your day. Be blessed. I love you. And let's try to be spiritual, beautiful, spiritual, yet human people. And not beat ourselves up for our imperfections. Let's embrace our imperfections as as Brene Brown would say. All right, guys. Bye. What's happening, family? Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. Please share with all your family and friends. And if you want to dive deeper and do some one-on-one coaching with me, please go to jeffgonzell.com. That's J-E-F-F-G-O-N-Z-E-L-L com. Check out the website. It has free resources and also it has access to working with me one-on-one. Enjoy. Have a beautiful day.